The first Ashes test is done and dusted while the Rugby League World Cup reaches its crescendo. It's Monday, the 27th of November. Yeah, welcome into the splash on this Monday, concluding the first Ashes test uh, from the Gabba, which finished earlier today. I'm your host, Phil Pryor. Uh, that to come on the splash, including... Uh, a bit of talk about what exactly happened over in Perth involving Johnny Bairstow, uh, Cam Bancroft and heads colliding uh, and also Rugby League World Cup also on the splash later. Heartbreak for the Canberra Raiders as well with bad injury news regarding Josh Hodgson, the English hooker. Uh, and of course, we're going to chat about Tonga's heartbreaking uh, exit uh, from the weekend against England in that World Cup semi-final. But digging deeper into the cricket, into the Ashes, uh, just briefly we've uh, brought in uh, Fox Sports Cricket Digital lead Joe Barton. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm good. Is... I'm taking, in it, taking it all in the, today. It's, uh, today was a bit of a more relaxed morning, but um, yeah, big weekend of cricket and plenty going on. It was, and a test match reached... Five days, which is nice. It's very only just they they almost almost got it done last night, yeah. but um yeah, very good test match for mine. Um, I had a had a lot of fun watching it. I think it was a for a cricket purist. I think it was a really good good test. Uh, great balance of bat and ball, and um, mm. yeah, some fantastic individual performances. Yeah, in the end, the Aussies uh, took it out. They they've claimed the first Ashes Test at the Gabba by ten wickets, uh, and. Joe, you have spoken to Tom Morris and Brett Jeeves in a more thorough uh, podcast on the Fox Sports Cricket podcast. Yep. Uh, how did what, how did you uh, sort of format your analysis there? Um, uh, we we kind of broke it broke it all down. We had our we each came up with the uh, winners and losers from from the test and um, yep. basically. Yeah, who? How it shapes the rest of the series going moving forward? Yeah, um, where England really needs to to lift, and I suppose there's quite a few areas that Australia needs to lift as well, which which we discussed. There's a few performers uh, such as Usman Khawaja who wouldn't be particularly pleased with how he played. Yeah, um, in this test, and obviously didn't that, get a, a chance. Well, didn't get a chance in the second dig. Certainly had a yeah. chance in the first dig. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but Australia was really too good I mean it all boiled down to uh, Steve Smith being fantastic and, and the Australian bowlers really uh, by the end of after after day one I think the Australian bowlers kind of really started to hit their straps they didn't quite get their plans right on day one um, but once once they kind of moved into day two they were starting to um, mm. starting to make their mark hit the hit the right aggressive lines that they were, had been promising to bowl uh, in the lead up to the Gabba test and yeah England really didn't seem to have too many answers and that's going to be a pretty strong storyline uh, moving forward for the rest of the four tests, how, mm. how it, just how England can, can handle the pace of, uh, of Cummins, Stark yeah. and Hazelwood yeah. um, who, who just seem to have their measure from, from about halfway through day two onwards. Yeah, for sure. The, the, the uh, action stopped this morning. The headlines continue up on the Fox Sports website. Uh, Jacob Karup has also got... Uh, the ratings for yep. all, for all of, of the Aussies. Uh, spoiler alert: Steve Smith got a perfect ten. He did very well, Steve Smith. Yeah, he, he, he sure ha- did. Hard to hard to uh, hard to find fault in a exactly. match where you're 141 not out and you take 
what, five catches, I think, for the match as well. So it, 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 did, was, it did pretty well. It was a real captain's knock. Uh, yeah, and all the other ratings, head to the website to check those out. Also on the website, I just watched a very interesting video involving one Cameron Bancroft mm. at the uh, press conference. Funny guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it was a bizarre kind of interview with a couple of the journalists just trying to clarify how Johnny Bairstow headbutted him. Yeah, uh, what is a headbutt? What is a headbutt? Uh, where did he head, get headbutted <laughs> uh, and all the rest of it? What did you... For, for all the listeners, please go and check this out. Uh, big video on the on the Fox Sports website. Uh, Cam Bancroft's responses to these questions, which were kind of tongue-in-cheek, had Steve Smith in stitches laughing. I mean, he couldn't talk. Steve, Steve, yeah. Smith, Steve Smith was incapacitated by laughter. It was uh, quite yeah. fascinating to watch, uh, Smithy. It's the first thing across five days that seems to have got him a little bit flustered, but... Um, I don't know if maybe that could be an England tactic, just trying to get him laughing uh, in the Adelaide Test next week. But Cam Bancroft, I mean, credit <laughs> to him. He's he's been a bit of he's kind of moved into cult status very quickly because he <laughs> he feels it at uh, at short leg, and he seems completely fearless. He did Feel- flinch. Yeah, did did not flinch when uh, when the ball. That's was, a video worth checking. Yeah, yeah. We've, got, we've got a video of him with the ball getting hooked into his face basically and just <laughs> smashes him in the grill, um, and he doesn't seem remotely phased by it, which is, you know, quite quite interesting, perhaps concerning for, for Cam Bancroft. But then he's come out with uh, this very, very funny press conference trying to describe the situation in which uh, a non-malicious headbutt from, from Johnny Bairstow, and you can read into that yeah. however you want, but uh, what I'm not sure what a non-malicious headbutt would be. Yeah, um, and what happens from here regarding uh, the ECB's investigation of this incident? Well, from what we've heard from Bairstow himself and uh, the skipper Joe Root and Trevor Bayliss, it sounds like the investigation is all but over. Yeah, um, yeah. There's, there's no, they don't, they don't believe that there's anything to it. I mean, Cam Bancroft, as we've seen, laughed it off. So uh, doesn't seem like he it was laughed too it off, but he, he definitely um, you know, made sure that. Uh, everyone knew it. It, it happened. Something least. happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I'd, I'd I'd be stunned to see this go any any further okay. um, from an ECB perspective. Um, certainly the way Trevor Bayliss was describing the event, saying yeah whether it was a headbutt or not, uh, it didn't break curfew, didn't break the code of conduct. Um, so based on that, I would say Besto is in the clear. But Trevor Bayliss did suggest that the code of conduct might be tightened a little bit as a result, which uh, yeah. could just mean that um, the England boys will be on a slightly tighter leash for the for the remaining four tests. But Well, um, I mean, when you add this incident to the Ben Stokes one, it, it you know, it, it starts to create a, an unwanted trend for, for the English playing group. Yeah, it's, it paints a picture that, um, I mean, even at just the base level, it paints a picture that perhaps they're not as professional as they need to be. Mm. To uh, in such a, an important, a huge series, the the yeah. Ashes is the most important series that England will play this year, next year, in the next three years until well, two and a half years until the uh, till their next home one. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's not a it's not a great look to have your your boys out on the drink, even if it was the I think it was the first night or perhaps the second night they were in the country. So, mm. um, I mean they're big boys; they're allowed to they're allowed to uh, go out and enjoy themselves, but not if, not if it gets yourself. Uh, creating international headlines and that mm. wh- whether it was a situation which has blown, been blown out of proportion, which is what uh, Johnny Bairstow has suggested, yeah. it's still a very clear distraction yeah. um, and it's 
looks like it's probably had some sort of an impact on the English mindset yeah, over yeah. the past two days, and they will be desperate to uh, <laughs> hope that it avoids them uh, when they get to Adelaide. And I'm sure Johnny Burstow will be not uh, greeting people in this particular manner when, when he gets to Adelaide and future venues. Maybe when he goes back to Perth. Yeah. Uh, full over half an hour of cricket analysis on the Cricket Podcast uh, following the first Ashes Test. Uh, head there for, for more chat on that. Joe, just finally, uh, the, the, the basic details... Uh, moving forward for the second test in Adelaide. Uh, when's it happening? When's it starting? Um, yeah. Basic details. Uh, so the test starts on Saturday. And, of course, the Adelaide test is a day-night test. So I yeah. believe that's first balls, 2.30, Saturday afternoon. Uh, it's going to be a cracking uh, east, day eastern, for it. Eastern time uh, for me. Yeah, well... Uh, fingers crossed the weather turns up. To be honest, I haven't actually looked at the weather yet. But, um, look... Adelaide usually puts on a cracking test, so I would yeah. I would expect that there'd be three or four days of, of bright sunshine. I don't I don't imagine uh, this test is going to go the five days. I think there's going to be a lot of ball hooping around mm. um, under lights. The pink ball should do some damage. I think Jimmy Anderson will really come into his own this test, yeah. and uh, of course we know how dangerous uh, Josh Hazelwood and in particular Mitchell Stark have been with the with the pink ball in previous day night tests. So. I think this is going to be a tricky one for the batsman, um, unless the Adelaide curator rolls out a very flat pitch. But even then, <laughs> even then, I think uh, it's going to be a bowler's a bowler's match. This one. You've been uh, yeah, you've been working tirelessly uh, across the five days. Do you get any days off before Saturday? Yeah, I'm taking Thursday off, mate. So good that'll job. that'll be good. Good give, job. Give me. I'll maybe just go to bed on Wednesday night and sleep through till Friday morning. <laughs> Good thinking, Joe. Uh, Get out of here. Thanks for joining the pod. Terrific. Thanks very much. We'll switch over to Rugby League to talk about some of the big issues going on and to do that. We're joined by uh, Rugby League writer for foxsports.com.au, Simon Brunston. How are we, sir? Good, mate. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, And you've brought in a a special guest, uh, Andre Cupido, who's... Doing a bit of work experience here at Fox. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Good to be here. Did, yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining the Splash. How, how did you uh, enjoy the weekend's World Cup action, Andre? Yeah, it was good. I mean, two good games. I think Fiji were very valiant in defeat despite the scoreline. Racing out to, I think it was 54-6. to six. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, the blockbuster between Tonga and England mm. was a pretty good game. I mean, it seemed all but over with eight minutes to go, but Tonga found a way. Yeah. Um, Obviously, the scrutiny surrounded the decision, but I think the call was right in the end. Yeah, and uh, looking forward to the game this weekend. And uh, that's been the big talking point, Simon. Obviously, coming out of it, uh, the the decision by Matt Checken right at the end to rule a knock on uh, uh, with Andrew Fafida uh, dropping the ball for Tonga and then scoring a try, called back, ruling knock on. What was your take? So I don't think it's. I mean, you can argue till the cows come home whether it was a correct ruling or incorrect. I think what people are unhappy about is the fact Chechen didn't actually go upstairs to the video ref. Yeah. In that in that instance, especially when the game's on the line, in this case, it's a World Cup final. Uh, it, and it's history as well. Like, Tonga's never made a World Cup final. would have been absolutely outstanding. That bigger moment with seconds left on the clock for the referee just to make a call and, and not, not look at the videos, uh, massive. And you can say it's right or it's wrong. I personally, I think Matt Chechen's probably the best referee in the game. He made the right call. He, he backed his call, and and I I loved it. But I can see the other side of the argument where the the technology's there. Probably should use it if if it's that sort of big occasion like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we 
uh, we complain when they do mm. go upstairs and waste time as well, Andre. So as Andrew Voss mentioned in his column on the weekend, you know, you can't have it both ways. Uh, but NRL fans, the way the, the culture is, we, we, we do want it both ways, don't we? Yeah, I think it, you can look at it one of two ways. I mean, I think some fans admire Checkin for his decision-making such a crucial moment, but other fans think there should be some reassurance in going upstairs. Um, look, it was a pretty close call, so maybe he should have gone upstairs. I'm not too sure, but in my opinion, I think I kind of do admire his courage with 30 seconds to go. The team's about to be in the World Cup final to make that decision. And in the end, the call was right, I believe. Some may say different, but yeah. um, I think it's very admirable that he backed himself. Yeah. And more importantly, the, the correct decision was made in the end. So mm. I think that's all that matters. Yeah. And moving forward, it means England do reach the grand final under Wayne Bennett's coaching. Uh, they're going to meet the hot favourites, Australia. Uh, that game is on Saturday night up at Suncorp. Uh, and unfortunately, Simon, England are going to need to do it without uh, Josh Hodgson, mm. uh, who it's confirmed has ruptured his ACL. Yeah, and there's an interesting follow-up story to this as well. Canberra's actually, uh, not complained, but that Canberra's actually contacted the English rugby league team and asked for a bit of a please explain how they handled the, the injury. Because if you watch the vision, Josh Hodgson went down, injury, uh, injured clutching his knee in the 15th minute. It wasn't until eight minutes later that he actually was pulled off the ground by the medical staff. Yeah, right. They pulled him in the back play in the initial incident, strapped his knee up, had a look and decided, yep, you're staying on the field. Uh, but that, uh, Don Ferner, the uh, the Raiders boss, has uh, today contacted England and, and said, can you explain your, your process and reasoning behind this? They're not too happy. Also, the fact that Hodgson takes up a lot of their salary cap. Um, yeah, he's, he's not He's not going to be playing now until at least midway through next season. Didn't he... I Pretty sure just last he, week he, he just extended got a four as well. Four-year yeah. contract extension. So he's on big money. I'm not sure exactly what he's on, but it's a fair chunk. Of that. He's, he's one of their best players. He could be their best player. Um, Canberra's not happy. They've actually gone to the NRL today as well and, and sussed out whether they can get a, an exemption on the salary cap. That's not going to happen because the, the, yeah. the laws don't allow that. Uh, but it's it makes it very interesting. Yeah, mm. And they might, the, their salary cap's in an awkward situation where they're actually talking about releasing Kurt Baptiste as well who is their backup hooker. Mm. So if he goes, Josh Hodgson's unavailable. They're left with Craig Garvey. Look, you're not going to win many NRL games with Craig Garvey uh, yeah. as your first choice hooker, to be honest. Yeah, very unfortunate. Uh, and Andre, uh, earlier uh, on Saturday up at Suncorp Stadium this weekend, the uh, the Jillaroos, they're taking on New Zealand. Have you caught much of the, the women's action uh, this World Cup? Yeah, I've actually been lucky enough to be working on the Women's World Cup over the uh, fixtures, the round games. Um, some awesome performances from Australia and New Zealand yeah, leading into this final. Yeah, the two standouts, of oh, course. Without a doubt, I know New Zealand won, I think it was 76-0 against Cook Islands, and then Australia won 88-0 a few days later. So they've been the two standout teams, and it was always inevitable they would meet in the final. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, it's really hit and miss on who's actually going to come away with that. Um, Who should we be looking out for, or, or what, what uh, sort of... Um uh, you know, matchups should we be keeping a close eye on? Well, I think the halves pairing of the Gillaroos has been pretty much the cornerstone of their victories. Um, there's been a lot of standout performances, but Ali Brigginshaw and Caitlin Moran, yep. um, they've been leading the way with their kind of attacking masterclass. And then you've got the likes of winger for New Zealand, Honey Haremi. Yep. Uh, she scored six tries um, in one of her games, and she's just been 
you know, putting in dominant performances on the wing. So she's one to look out for, especially New Zealand's forward pack. Yeah, um, yeah. That will be crucial to to the hopes of their victory. But look, I think the Gillaroos should win. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's an upset on the cards. Simon, luckily we asked Andre that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been following it very closely as well, but obviously okay. he, know, he knows okay. the players a bit more, in, yeah. more intimately than I well, well done, Andre. Uh, <laughs> and finally, um, lads, uh, according to... Uh, new reports Mitchell Pearce uh, the race for his signature is down to three clubs the Melbourne Storm pulling out today too much salary cap pressure uh, so Manly the hot favourites Cronulla and Newcastle still in the race Simon where do you think he's going based on all the evidence we now have I'm not sure where he's going as a Newcastle fan I hope he goes up the highway <laughs> and, and lands in Newcastle uh, as you say a week ago I would have said he's, he's going to Manly full stop just uh, because they let Blake Green go. But it's been a week now and there still hasn't been. He's been meeting with um, two other clubs in the meantime. So it's a bit up in the air at the moment. Mm. Uh, Craig Bellamy, you can understand, um, as much as they said the salary cap constraints, Craig Bellamy isn't the sort of coach that wants to get an established 28-year-old halfback on, on 800000 a million dollars. He'd rather get a Brodie Croft and actually build him into, into the next great halfback. So that's understandable. I hope he goes tonight. <laughs> uh, fair enough, boys. Uh, yeah. We'll leave it there. Short and sharp, uh, Andre. Well done on your debut. Thank you. Appreciate it. (laughs) And uh, we'll talk to you boys soon uh, on the splash on this Monday. Uh, Hope everyone had a nice weekend, saw plenty of the cricket and, of course, the footy. And we look forward to the Rugby League World Cup finals this weekend. Uh, Until tomorrow on the splash, that's a wrap. (laughs) 